Dead men tell no tales. Fifteen men older in man's chest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. Drink and the devil had done for the rest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. It's time to reset, say you. Everybody on the ship! When we do with the drunken sailor, when we do with the drunken sailor, when we do with the drunken sailor, the ship with black sails that's crewed by the dam. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Black Pearl Show, a Pirates of the Caribbean podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films and yes, the expanded universe, we dabble in history, stress the euphemisms, and strive to have a hell of a good swashbuckler time each and almost every week. Although we are on a roll this time, that's two in a row, as we promised. I don't know if that makes really any data points, because you kind of need at least to have a couple. <laughs> a couple of more than just two. We're kind of at just a straight line right now, but we need to have more points. Let's see what happens. But I'm Scott Artis from ScottArtist.com. And I'm Heather Artist from BlackPearlMinute.com. What happened? That wasn't... Uh, <laughs> boy, first of all, A, you screwed it up the... Screwed it up. Screwed it's it like up? It's like shrewded. You shrewded it. Uh, you screwed up the URL. It's not BlackPearlMinute.com. It's BlackPearlShow.com. Although that will take you there if you're looking for it. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> That's true. Thanks for joining us today for episode 109 of season two. That uh, means we're plundering... Minutes 118 119 of that little-known pirate flick called Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Man's Chest. So this uh, thing was happening over the weekend. The computer was shut down at the time, so I figured, you know what? I'm just going to gonna check out the Blu-ray of Dead Man's Chest. I'm going to do some research and watch the minutes and all that kind of fun stuff. For one thing, Dead Man's Chest Blu-ray was already in the player. It's like perpetually in the player during the season, or recording season, I should say. For us, that is during the season because we're always on the timeline and at the last minute kind of thing. But it's locked and loaded pretty much all the time, like I said. And I let it do its thing. Well, And this is beyond the, when I looked at the timer, I didn't sit through it, but it was 12 and a half freaking minutes of previews to get to the actual damn menu for Dead Man's Chest. First of all, that's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. It's like you're actually at the movie itself. <laughs> you yeah, paid yeah. for the movie, now you have to get all these advertisements it's not like these previews just go away they're there forever on your disc that's idiotic yeah then i let it roll i let it do its own thing and this was the first in a oh yeah kind of moment because i'm wrapped in it now disney flat out mesmerized me with this opening sequence it's like their their splash page their logo the whole disney pictures kind of thing this is the logo the music wish upon a star kind of stuff you know and I was seriously captivated by it. Every freaking time that thing comes up, it's like time just stops and I'm transported back to being a kid. And I have to watch or listen to it. I can't go by. I could actually watch it multiple times in a row. I just really like it. I like the music. It's, it's calming. <laughs> I need a lot of calm right now Bet in my you life. you do. And when I say it transports me being a kid again kind of thing, it, yeah, it reminds me of going to Disneyland and all that fun-loving kid stuff that you don't have to worry about anything. You know, paying for bills and... <laughs> 
going to work. <laughs> paying all that kind for of stuff. Disneyland. <laughs> paying for Disneyland too. It's way more now. But I realized something during the time that I was watching that in this like being a kid thing. And I was like, you know what? Hey, if women can have sugar daddies, I need me some sugar parents. That's what I really need. Sugar parents. <laughs> I need some parents that just want to step in and say, you know what? I'm going to buy you some stuff. And all the time, they pay for our bills, they pay for our house, all that kind of stuff. That's what I'm looking for. That sounds like a plan, actually. Applications are currently open for those who just want to buy some stuff. There's no age, age limit to this. Just fill it out and like send us a test or something like that. <laughs> test payment. And now I'll have to wait for my mom to call. Like, what the yeah. hell are you trying to replace us? <laughs> well, it depends. Maybe we are, depending on... What kind of payments are rolling in? But oh, yeah. I don't know. We'll just let it. We'll no, let it lie. Were, I can have multiple parents. Yeah, have, you really just want another set. Not like a real set. I just want like a a helicopter kind of parent situation. Where Once they just, where you don't have to visit on holidays. I, to, I don't want to visit anybody. <laughs> but they just drop off goods in money. That's what I'm looking for. But it really, it actually was a nostalgic moment for me. Not actually thinking about sugar parents. That's just something all the time. <laughs> I'm talking about the whole. Disney opener sequence there. The music, the castle, the logo, Tinkerbell flying across. It tells you just how much Disney has integrated itself into the lives of kids and adults. Kind of the whole culture thing. Disney, Disney is magic. There you go. (laughs) So anyways, we watched the minutes for the episode. And then uh, I got sucked into watching the whole damn remaining movie. Right up to the credits. Just like that. Watching for a purpose. I had my goal set. Then I find myself watching for the fun of it. Felt like I hadn't seen this movie in actually years. Really, years. I was like, oh, I didn't remember that. And I thought it was so interesting how Disney and Pirates of the Caribbean just pulled me back in. I had so much I should be doing, yet I'm like, eh, what's another 20 some odd minutes? I'll just sit here and watch the rest of this. <laughs> but before we get stuck, or... Stuck? Stuck in like another personal nostalgia dreamscape kind of thing here. You got another one? No, I could probably, but uh, I'm I'm hesitant because I'm not sure. Might you happen to have a bit of knowledge you can impart upon the peeps? Like some, uh, you know, pirate stuff? May it pirate English talk like a pirate? Could it be? It's time for Pirate Word of the Week. Ahoy there, scallywags. Pirate Word of the Week in five, four, three, two, yarr. I'll have your cowardly heart for my supper. I said, what's the pirate word of the week? Not just what you say every day before dinner. <laughs> I want to know, what is the pirate word of the week? It's not that difficult. I'll have your cowardly heart for me supper. Well, that's a good one, actually. It's yeah. a good one. It's from Dead Man's Chest. It's actually quoted twice. So it's pertinent because we're doing Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, but I'm assuming you're talking about book Dead Man's Chest. You just come out and say it like that? What? That wasn't how it was supposed to play out, by the way. It wasn't? Oh, I didn't know we were on a script. I'm sorry. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, What was the direction? Was I supposed to say, blimey, hell? I missed that. (laughs) What the hell are you talking about? I don't remember these. Thank you. These words? (laughs) Where from are thou these words? I don't remember that. That's much better. Thank you. That's what I expected. How could I have forgotten this? We break these movies down, damn it, minute by minute, and I don't even remember where this came from. This is what happens when you have to redo what you just said. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That is the truth. So anyways, what are you saying? Where be this from, Lassie? (laughs) 
The Dead Man's Chest book, actually. I know, but give us a quote. Oh, or no, I gave you. A who quote. says it? Alakan said. Alakan the Turk says it at um, one point in time, and then Joshua Smoot says it at another. No, oh, so two references of yes. heart eating. Yes, which is also pertinent because we have Davy Jones's heart in here. Exactly. Uh, Dead Man's Chest hearts. It's all coming together. It's like it was planned. <laughs> Something like that. In the previous minutes, Jack tosses his coconut. Hadris loses his head. Jack steals Davy's heart. Aww. Steals his heart. <laughs> Elizabeth stabs two dudes from behind. Will and Norrington invent the big wheel. And yes, Elizabeth is in shock again. What? <laughs> big wheel. Keep on. <laughs> Turning. Turning something Proud like that. Mary. Keep on. Oh, there you go. Burning. Burning? Rolling. Really? I don't Rolling. think we, you want to be singing misheard lyrics and all kind of crazy stuff here. <laughs> Not that I know the lyrics offhand of that without really going through it. Minute 116 begins with the water wheel falling to the water. It's not a water wheel for one thing. I could have said mill wheel and it all went much smoother. Let me try that again. Minute 116 begins <laughs> with the mill wheel falling to the water. Ah, much better. Yes. It was way better that time. Felt like I had too many waters in there. As Elizabeth and the Flying Dutchman crew resume their sword fight. Dizzy from the wild ride, Norrington and Will begin to climb out of the water wheel. Boom, just said it, just to irritate you. Minute 117 ends with Norrington falling, letting loose the dead man's chest. As he crawls to regain possession of the chest, the pursuing Dutchman's crew surround him. The camera zooms into Hadris, well, his shell head anyways, as he says, Your bravery? Dot, dot, dot. Ah, love it when the dot, dot, dot comes back. We've had too many... Things ending without any dialogue. So yes. dot 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 is back. In all you its made that sound glory. very exciting in the end when he gets surrounded. It was exciting for now. <laughs> it's a plan, best laid plan kind of thing of Norrington. I do have an issue in these uh, minutes. I have a question for you first. Oh, what's your question? What do you think of these fishermen during daylight? I like them. They're pretty cool looking, right? I do like the fishmen. Yeah. We're starting out here. That's strange. Okay. We're starting out with fishman action. Yeah. I do like the crew in the light because everything that we've seen so far, is, for the most part, has been a lot of like dark colors, blues, nighttime, evening things. And it's been hard to get all the detail. And it's Here, easy to hide things in that. It light. is easy to hide stuff. If things get lost in it, you don't see all the details. Here, I'm liking it. And I have some stuff on some of the... Fishermen? Fishmen later, yeah. Because stuff is just revealed and I'm trying to revisit some of those guys so we don't leave them out. No fish man left behind. <laughs> so yeah, but yeah, I do like it. You see a lot of the colors that I didn't know were there. And that's because I am colorblind and because I just didn't <laughs> well, see them in the dark. Well, it's just dark. You couldn't see a lot of color in the dark. But that's what I'm saying. I do like all the colors and things. But we can talk about some of that later. But I do like it for sure. Yeah. I think it works well. And it actually holds up nicely too. Oh, yeah. It's not like I'm thinking, oh man, that looks really CGI. Rubberman? Like, yeah, <laughs> it it does it does seem to hold up. The CGI works. It doesn't take me out of the moment. Yeah. So, kudos to over ten year old uh, CG effects. So there we go. But like I was saying, I do have an issue in these minutes. Now I'm not gonna just come out and say it. I'm gonna let everybody guess when we get to that area. Where I have like some words for Verbinski or Terry and Ted or whoever the hell is responsible for this travesty. But someone screwed the movie making pooch here. And I'm just going to leave it there for right now. Because I think what takes 
precedent on the positive note is I think Norrington takes the scene. And when I say scene, I mean scene minutes here. Because I'm not sure if it's Davenport, his acting kind of thing, or Norrington's character. But there's this arc that's getting interesting with Norrington. Yeah. I mean, we've seen Norrington as kind of a by-the-book, stuffy Commodore. Then we get the down-on-his-luck, stripped-of-his-status, deckhand. Now he's on the road to completing a full circle. But before he gets his life back, it's like he's got to hit rock bottom, becoming what he hates, a pirate. And I think that's kind of what he does here. Because he, I mean, it's not so much of like a traditional scalawag kind of pirate thing, but more of a self-serving, I'm the only one that matters, throw my friends under the bus pirate. That's what I'm thinking. Because everyone else sees the commotion and jumps in to help, okay? Yeah. Norrington sees the fighting, takes a I spy with my little eye, the longboat kind of thing. Yeah. Then immediately goes to find the dead man's chest. It's all about him. Instead of jumping in and helping out, I'm heading to the longboat. Which may uh, be something similar to what Jack does later on. Well, Pintel and Rigetti kind of do that too. They're, that's what I'm saying. Pirates. He's doing what yeah, the pirates yeah. are doing. And the camera work. The acting. I mean, I can see the wheels turning in his face. His mind. Not like his head? face's wheel. His head. There you go. Because he nailed it. In just a few seconds, we understand his whole entire plan. This, like this story. Exactly what he's going to do. He's like Jack Sparrow. Which is why the kind of the double double cross trick thing works well. It's like a shell game, but with a still beating heart. So if you're on the street and you see somebody doing the shell game, hopefully there's not a heart under there. Hopefully not, because that'd be kind of gross. Yeah, kind of would. Yeah. A little bit. But not only the heart, though. It's like the letter's a marker there, too, which is good. So he's holding all the cards. and he kind I, co- I completely forgot about the letters of mark until I seen him in this minute. It just I wasn't on your mind? It. Yeah. Yeah, because they don't really talk about him much. I mean, how'd they even get in the longboat? Well, Jack brought him with him. I don't think he was going to let the letters Jack of mark. Oh, I mean. Jack uh, had him, took him from Elizabeth? Yeah, who did have him now? I thought Elizabeth had him. Did he take him? Did she leave him behind? Now I'm trying to think. Am I going to have to go back and review this? How do I not remember this? I don't know. Anyway, Did she I, give it to him? Somebody had the... Who had the damn I letters complete, marked? I completely forgot about him, but then they were just sitting there. Sitting like in the Like out boat. in the open. It's like, yeah, you wouldn't think you kind of protect these things a little bit more? Not just, uh, oh, I'm going to hide them in the longboat because there's so many places and nooks yeah. and crannies. Let me just tuck them right here. You'd think you'd have them in your clothes or something. Exactly. Not just sitting in a longboat. Maybe there's only room in your your vest or your shirt and it's like do i have the heart in there do i put or should i have some letters of mark nobody Opted had the, for heart the heart in there though you got to plan ahead because if you had the letters of mark in the field you'd have to drop them because you can only hold so much in your shirt there that's what i'm saying okay it's like a video game you can only hold so many <laughs> items but the whole thing actually sets this cool plan in motion that actually elevates Norrington's position, at least in Elizabeth's eyes. Because he pulls the, I'm going to take one for the team kind of thing. This whole routine. Yeah. Pretends to have the needs of the many in mind. You know, but uh, really looking out for the needs of the one. It's like a bizarro Spock. That's how I see him. You know, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Yes. Or the one. As Captain Kirk said back, and then Spock says, or the one. And then, you know, he takes a big thing off the radiation and he gets fried and Wrath of Khan, but they get out of there. And Spock has to, as George and Jerry put it, bury Spock in that jig, that jig, that big sunglasses case. Is this any ringing bell? No. You know, so what? 
Now we got to have Indiana Jones. We got to watch Star Wars. And now we got to add uh, Star Trek Wrath of Khan to the list. <laughs> These are all iconic movies, by the way. How dare you? Anyways, kind of pulls the wig over uh, Elizabeth's eyes there. Gets, uh, gets like a mini pedestal to stand on because of it. And that's like Jack Maybe Sparrow's move right there. Maybe just the chest he's standing on. <laughs> that's why he's hot, taller. Yeah. Standing on the chest, maybe. He carries his own pedestal around. Yeah. No, look, I'm serious. I'm standing on a pedestal. <laughs> but Norrington is Jack Sparrow. He's a pirate. That's what I'm talking about here. It's, it's like excellent writing. That's what I like about this whole thing. Because it also sets him up for the escape. Gives him the upper hand on the Dutchman crew. When they catch him, he can hand over the chest and then say, run off with their actual real treasure. Spoiler ahead, maybe. Jumping a little too far. You're talking about the letters of Mark, right? Hey, doesn't matter what I'm talking about. Just talking about the letters of Mark. Because we don't want to spoil things. Sure, people have seen it. And I meant the movie. People have seen the movie. That's what I was referring to. Speaking of treasure, running off with a treasure. What in the blimey hell is another Indiana Jones reference doing in these damn two minutes? Honestly, I swear to God I'm going to kill somebody. We just had our freaking Indy reference. Oh, and if you can't tell, this is what I'm talking about in the beginning. If you can't tell what's ticking me off, what's irritated me about these minutes is the Indiana Jones reference. Now, I'd be okay with a more like indie references in general. I'm always okay with that. I love Indiana Jones. Jones! Okay? But when we literally just watch Elizabeth pull the smug Indiana Jones reach for the weapon routine, the Temple of Dune spin on the whole, I'm going to reach for my gun, realize it's not there, get like a smirk on my face. Elizabeth just did this. We just watched it with Pintel and Rigetti, remember? Yes. A few minutes back, I was talking about it. Yeah. Now freaking Pintel and Rigetti pull the exact same thing? Damn it, what the hell? Why? I thought it was clever. That they just did the same thing? Yeah. Because the shoe's on the other foot? I don't know. What yeah. is that? It's like, what the hell, Verbinski? The exact same thing, though. It literally is the exact same thing. When Will stops them from taking off in the longboat, they reach for their swords. Realize Elizabeth has them. Then grab an oar and a net. But they smirk and shrug, okay? This is Elizabeth doing Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom, which is a callback to Raiders of the Lost Ark. And now we have Pintel and Rigetti doing the same thing just two minutes later. How dare you? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's got me riled up. I don't understand why. Because, why? Because they, they brought it back just minutes later. So? It's why? People. Not only that, there was also a repeat of another thing that happened on Isla Cruz's location. The water wheel engulfs Jack, some fishmen, and then again on the beach with the fishmen. To which Elizabeth twice now does the cliche movie trope to stop all fighting action to watch the absurdity commence. That's what I'm saying. To possess it. That's been done. Now we add the Indiana Jones reference to that repeat list too. It's two things in the same few minutes that have happened. That's what I'm saying. Why? Couldn't we have another Indiana Jones reference? No, because it's like a big giant boulder chasing him down. I don't know. It's comedic relief because there's so much fighting going on. They had to break it up. Okay, I understand that, but it's the same thing. I don't think you do understand. Can't there be something else? I mean, shake it up. Freaking shake it up, guys. Give us another Indiana Jones reference. Have Jack's hat roll up on the beach with the wind. He already had the Pelagosos chasing him in these styles, so make uh, make it happen. Don't repeat them. What happens later in the movie? What? Jack's hat. I, it does. Uh, spoilers, by the way. That's How nothing, though. That it is a spoiler. Matter. So that's that's it. not like the big old spoiler you decided to do a minute ago. 
Well, come on. We're talking about it's a, a movie spoiler, from 2006, you... by the way. So it's not really so a spoiler. What? We're not and there everybody yet. in this audience yeah. listens to Okay, listens. Everybody well, maybe listens too, but watches Pirates of the Caribbean. They know these movies. They're yeah, not like But our setup is we're doing it minute by minute. I, we're not jumping ahead. I know, but I just had to For what reason? There are rules for the show. Yes, that's true. I don't know why it just slipped out. It wasn't me. It just slipped out. I'm okay. I'm gonna let it go. That's my Indiana Jones rant. I just wish that they could have had something else. That's all. Bringing it back. Why did they bring it back so soon? And you know what? It's not that it's bad or it's acted bad or anything like that. I'm just saying it's like a repeat already. Shout out to Kelvin on the Facebook group since I've been talking about Indiana Jones. Maybe he's the reason now I keep talking about it. He posted that poll. Oh yeah. Okay, maybe I'm not quite finished with the Indiana Jones stuff. It's like Indiana you Jones. More minute Indiana now. Jones? This is Pirates of the Caribbean minute. I know not Indiana it's, Jones. I know minute. it's Pirates of the Caribbean. I mean, I ventured into something of a deep dive on Indiana Jones movie tropes after watching this. I really did because I was wondering what the hell is going on here. And I probably didn't get them all, but I did create a list of tropes in the Indiana Jones franchise that appear in Pirates of the Caribbean. So, are you ready for this? Sure. And these are the official trope names. And I'm going to save my favorite for last. But I didn't create the Indiana Jones list. This was compiled by the TV tropes, movie tropes experts. I just looked at that list and said, hey, I'm seeing a lot of stuff that's happening in Pirates of the Caribbean. So I uh, made a list. So we get the first one here is Action Girl. Now, obviously, this is like an old school trope. As action women are way more prevalent and kind of typical now than we say maybe had in the 80s, right? Yes. But Elizabeth Swan, yeah, Action Girl, I'll call it. Got Action Survivor. The Action Survivor is the opposite of the Action Hero. He's pretty normal in just about every way. And when I think of Action Survivor, I kind of think of Weatherby Swan kind of comes to mind in Curse of the Black Pearl. Kind of there. Doesn't really have any abilities. Comes out doing his surviving thing, you know. Yes. Like all proud that he, uh, because he, <laughs> He's he, got a hand he manhandled his... <laughs> the hand. We got a Adventure Duo. And this can roll back and forth, I think, between Elizabeth and Jack and Elizabeth and Will and those kinds of things. Kind of an action duo Until there. Gr- Forgetty. They're more the sidekick comedic relief thing. We have the alas poor villain trope. We definitely get that. The trope of feeling sorry for the dead villain. Sorry Aww. about the fate of the villain. I think this plays to both Barbosa and Davy Jones. End up feeling bad for him. The other one is uh, all myths are true. Always the deniers kind of thing, you know? The Black Pearl is a myth, Cursed Aztec Gold, The Flying Dutchman, The Kraken, Mermaids. Could go on. Nobody really believes them. But we've talked about some of this before. Like, okay, you know some of this stuff is true, so why are you surprised when another myth comes up to be true? Yeah. They're all true. Trust me. You guys have already seen all kinds of crazy stuff. Artifact of Death. And by the way, like I said, these are all Indiana Jones tropes that are in the franchise that are also appearing in the franchise of Pirates of the Caribbean. So, Artifact of Death, Aztec Gold, anyone? I mean, come on, it's right there. (laughs) Be careful what you wish for. I mean, it's not quite the usual manifestation of this trope in Pirates of the Caribbean, but they give the example that in Temple of Doom, Indy's foot is smoking after stopping the minecart, because he uses his foot. And he's like, uh, water, water, you know? And at that point, like, this torrential flood of water is on its way, okay? Yeah. So, thanks to Heather helping identify this, it was... In Pirates, it's more about the entire movie plot is really be careful what you wish for. Especially for Curse of the Black Pearl. They wish for gold. They get it. You just can't enjoy it, right? Right. Kind of backfires on them. You have the big bad trope. This applies to Beckett. He's the big bad. Because the cause of all bad happenings in a story 
like leads to the big bad is kind of the trope idea. Either be personally responsible for events or the biggest force in opposition of the hero's goals. Like a big bad could be a character with evil plans or it can actually be like this um almost like an omnipresent situation, which maybe applies to the Kraken. But when I think about it, I really do think more about Beckett in regards to, say, like the Belloc character in Indiana Jones. Beckett's kind of pulling the strings here. Yeah. He has the henchmen doing stuff. Right. There's the bittersweet ending trope. Definitely applies to Dead Man's Chest. Spoilers, because I have to say this now for Heather. But we do get Jack swallowed by the Kraken while Will and Elizabeth and the Motley crew escape. Then we have the sad moment at the end, but then we get Barbosa's return. Yay! And we can discuss all that coming up. Also applies to Dead Men Tell No Tales with the demise of Barbosa. Spoilers. And at World's End with kind of Will's fate. There we go. The blowgun trope. Come on. Do I need to say Pelagosta? We are on the <laughs> Pelagosta Island for 20 freaking minutes. 20 episodes. Bound and gagged. Thinking of you, Will Turner. Not, not that I'm thinking of Will Turner bound wow. and gagged. That's Just reminds me of him gagged in the movie. Not like some S&M thing I got for Will Turner. That's a movie thing. Just to clarify. Just clarifying. Wow. Maybe that's the episode title. Will Turner bounding gagged. <laughs> canon, canon foreigner, I should say. Not like canon is a gun, but canon as in what is part of the, the franchise and the story. Like from the expanded universe kind of point of view. It's like introducing new characters that have not really appeared in the movies, but they're still part of the canon or the overall mm. expanded universe. And so we get that as we do with Indiana Jones. There's a lot of characters in the comics or books and things like that There's that Indiana pertain. Jones comics. Yeah, and books and all kinds of other stuff. Video games. We have the Cataclysm Climax. Yeah, at World's End, Dead Man's Chest, Dead Men Tell No Tales. Yeah, Cataclysms. Big maelstroms, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yes. Character development. And it's not just like normal character development, but like Elizabeth Swan, Barbosa. Those are the standouts for me because this trope is about changes in characters across individual movies and franchises, how they've progressed. Like we see Elizabeth go from sweet little girl to, to pirate. pirate, basically. Yeah. And even at the end of even Will Turner, though. And Will Turner's like that. Barbosa, certainly, he was bad guy turned good guy. Kind of thing. Turn bad guy, turn good guy. Yeah. Chased by angry natives. I don't think I need to expand on that. Pretty pretty explanatory. Pelagostos? Yeah. A chase scene. Yeah, there's always a chase scene. There's chase scenes in this movie. The last few minutes has been a chase scene. Well, there you go. The last few minutes has been a chase scene. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. So there. Yeah. Forgot where I was. Chick Magnet. Jack is popular in the seedy underbelly of winches. You know. And Elizabeth. Chick Magnet. And Elizabeth. Clothes make the legend is another trope. Jack kind of is associated uh, with his outfit, his one outfit, kind of what he wears. It's not like you see him in a tuxedo or anything. No? No. I thought I did, though. Uh, it's uh, probably in the expanded universe. Oh. There's a continuity nod trope. The trope example for Indy is that he and Elsa are looking at a painting of the Ark of the Covenant, and she asks what it is, and he says, the Ark. She asks, are you sure? He says, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> No kidding, because he had his hands on the Ark the, in the previous movies, you know? No. Here in Pirates of the... I know you don't know. Trust me, that's why we need to watch the movies. Here in Pirates of the Caribbean, though, one that pops to mind is the escape from Rum Runner's Isle on the back of a sea turtle in Curse of the Black Pearl. Not that he really did it, he talked about it. Yes. And that comes up again in Dead Man's Chest when Will references the sea turtle and him arriving on Isla Cruces. Elizabeth Fainting is another one. That's a callback. We kind of call them as labeled them as callbacks, but they are tropes. Again, it's the continuity nod. Here's a good one: Disney villain death. 
the idea that villains in Disney movies tend to have a preponderance of falling off things or something to their death. <laughs> Davy Jones rings a bell for me. Even though there's some ambiguity because he does get his heart stabbed, spoilers, and then falls. But he still falls. He falls so off does, the so boat does into Barbosa in, uh, in um, Dead Men Tell No Tales. He does kind of a fall thing. He falls. There you go. So that's what I'm saying. To his death. The whole idea of an expanded universe trope is here, obviously. There's the fantasy kitchen sink trope. It's what happens when all myths are true is kind of turned the dial up all the way, okay? Because you get a fantasy kitchen sink. Everything is true, even if it comes from vastly different origins. I think we're seeing that across all these movies. You think? Slightly. Friend or idol decision. You know, do I save my friends or do I take the treasure? Do I save oh, my yeah. kind of thing? Yeah. Norrington after the heart instead of helping him, for instance. Jack, you know, there's a ton of these. Hollywood torches is a trope. You know, big giant torches that you could light up. Yeah, we have that. Iconic logo, definitely. Iconic outfit, I already mentioned something like that. The interesting situation duel. This is the kind of putting a spin on the 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 duel, something that really makes it interesting, whether it's a situation or a situational thing when the two guys are fighting. Again, Curse of the Black Pearl, Aztec Gold. Fight between Jack and Barbosa. Skeleton, not skeleton, skeleton, not skeleton. Yes. Jerk with a heart of gold trope. What do you think? Jack ends up doing the right thing usually. Yeah. Kind of comes back to the pearl instead of his continued longboat escape or whatever. Yeah. Jungle opera. And we've been in a jungle. Trust me. <laughs> We're here again. There's the light motif trope. The recurring piece of music that kind of represents a character action or theme. He's a pirate. He's a pirate. There's the, we've had the medallion theme music melody. There's the chest music. So, yes, that happens here. The literal cliffhanger. Yeah. Pelagosto. Cliffhanging. Mr. Fanservice. This is one. It's a fanservice trope. It's called Mr. Fanservice. And it's the idea that there's a thing in the movie that provides, like, eye candy for women. It's, it's, it's almost like similar eye candy for women and gay men. Okay. It can be an effective way to bring in female viewers, even in a series directed towards males, okay? Yeah. So, Jack Sparrow, trust me from what I've seen trust out there. You, trust huh? me from what I've seen out there. Appeals to both women and, and gentlemen, let's just say. The near villain victory? Yeah, of course. Never bring a knife to a gunfight. Oh, I've talked about those. And I just had a thing about that. It's kind of a similar thing. It's a spin on it. It's like never bring non-weapon to a weapon fight. There you go. Yes. The nice hat trope. Oh, we get a lot of nice hats. Reptiles ab... No, I screwed that up. It's reptiles are abhorrent trope. Indiana Jones, he hates snakes. Snakes show up, that kind of stuff. The snake on Pelagosto causes the bone ball thing to fall, killing the other half of the Pearl's crew. Yes. The running gag. We have running gags. Scarlet and Giselle, for one thing. Never get the treasure. All that kind of stuff. Schmuck bait. It's not just a... Uh, Nickname I have for Heather. God. It is actually a trope. It's the uh, long lost treasure is the lost. Is not the lost. I don't know what, what it is there. But the long lost treasure is lost for a reason. But like tries to bring people in to find it. It baits them. It's like damn near the, the plot Aztec of each gold? of the pirates. It's damn near the, the plot for each of the pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. Movies. The long lost thing that brings people back to try and find it. There's the sliding scale of idealism versus cynicism trope. And... uh I think we have that. Kind of all the films here are surprisingly almost like idealistic in a way. They try to skew in certain directions, but it really does kind of come back to idealism and doing the good thing, the right thing. Yeah. We have the uh, stock screen trope. 
Anybody say Wilhelm scream out there? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Time-shifted actor trope. Dead Men Tell No Tales, Jack Sparrow. We see him as a young lad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like the young Indiana Jones or River Phoenix playing the young Indiana Jones. Treasure map. Okay, treasure maps are there. Maybe. And lastly, this is, like I said, my first one in this long list of tropes. And showing you the synergy between Indiana Jones and Pirates of the Caribbean. Everything's better with monkeys trope. (laughs) Hey, the monkey captain. Who doesn't want a monkey captain? It's a monkey captain hypothesis. There you go. Jack the monkey. Jack is better when there's a monkey. Yes. So there you go. Those are the tropes that I found off the list that, that work for both Pirates of the Caribbean and Indiana Jones. Very cool. Whew, now I'm a little sleepy. Yeah, maybe. That was a long list, wasn't it? Yeah. That's what I'm talking about, though. It's all over the place. But like Indy, there's also uh, definitely a lot of punching and clunking going on. Clunking, as I say. Clunking. clunking. <laughs> yeah. Because obviously we don't get the incredible punch landing sound effect. It's like that, that really hard, like, you know? Yeah. You would if you had seen Indiana Jones. But we do have swords. It's good. They we have clink. an ore battle. Clinking swords. Clinking and clunking. And at first I was wondering why Jack gives Will the ore beat down. I didn't really... I was like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. Was it a bit of payback for the ore treatment in Curse of the Black Pearl? Then it finally clicked, actually. I actually like, oh, wait. The hamster woke up. Turned the wheel. Because Will was holding and examining the chest. Jack was worried he was going to open it up. Yeah. Once it's open, then everybody knows that the heart's not there. So by smacking Will, keeps the hidden heart a secret. Everybody believes it's still in the chest. Which propels the plot and like enables Norrington to escape with the goods. Elevates Norrington's good deed and martyr status for Elizabeth. Something we talked about a few yep. minutes ago. It's a nice little uh, kind of thing there. You know, gives Jack the opportunity to take the longboat escape. In time. Yeah. Kind of the, well, no, he's trying, not really taking the longboat, but he's allowing them to escape with the longboat yeah. and taking the martyr status. And the, and the question that I did have, though, is I still don't know, did Elizabeth actually see Jack hit Will or did she just respond to Will falling? I don't know if she saw Jack actually hit Will or yeah, not. Yeah, I'm not sure she actually did. I might need to look at it again. Because I would expect Elizabeth to be, like, pissed off at Jack yeah, if she, she knew he did it. Yeah, she probably did She probably thought it was one of the fishy men. Yeah. Or is it this one, is it kind of one of those, yeah, I know you knocked him out because he was fiddling with the chest, but what the hell, you shouldn't have done that. So does she like know that that's Jack's personality? But I'm leaning towards she just sees him kind of fall over and doesn't really see Jack knock him out. Yeah. Because she would be ticked off about that. Right. She doesn't seem that ticked off. No. That's what I'm saying. And we're all on the... The sand here, kind of the ocean sand. Apparently, uh, you know, when the tide's up, the water, how this all works, in case you didn't know, (laughs) tide comes in. (laughs) Okay, anyways, it's fairly shallow here. It's usually beach out there. Tide's high. Water comes in. Makes a nice little shallow, okay? Thank you for that information. I'm just telling you, it's not like perpetual shallows. It's like that. So, Terry, Rossi, and Ted Elliott, in case you didn't know, they're the, the writers, Referred to the sand on Isla Cruces as sugar sand. And I hadn't really heard this term before in regards to beaches. Yeah. I mean, there is another type of sugar sand out there. It means like that that stuff that settles to the bottom of like a container that holds maple sap or syrup or something. It's like it actually, once it reaches like a certain sugar concentration percent. Yeah. Then it starts to solidify and create like the, the sugar crystals. The stuff in the honey? 
Probably something like that, yeah. That's been sitting in, or honey's been sitting a while? It's probably similar, yeah. It starts crystallizing? I think that's kind of what it is. But I know that's just common knowledge for sugar sand and maple syrup because most of us out there are, you know, maple syrup sap harvesters. <laughs> I think that's probably the most common job in America. But <laughs> sugar sand. So I had to uh, run to the trusty and always factual internet to find uh, just what in the blimey hell sugar, sugar sand, sand was. was? So uh, sand, sugar-like. <laughs> well, it, it has like this color and consistency that's determined based upon what components make up the sand. Whether that be, you know, corals and shells or what's the mixture and the texture and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So often that may be quartz crystals that are mixed with other debris, okay? Okay. However, apparently what we have at Isla Cruces is one of the purest and whitest sands. This is because sugar sand is primarily made of quartz crystal and contains barely any shells or coral, giving it kind of a white colorless tone and a sugar-like feel. Huh. So that's that's what I found out. Interesting. Yeah. And they were saying that if you just sit there, it, it you can really sink in it fairly well. So it makes it hard to to run and do that. So... It was a matter of all these actors out there doing all these stunts was actually pretty extraneous. Is that a word? Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Didn't have, it's like I lost if that was even a word. Extraneous. Extraneating. Strenuous. Strenuous, Strenuous. is Woo! what you're looking for. Strenuous is what I'm looking for. See, it wasn't. What the hell? You're just agreeing. <laughs> you're like, no, he's an idiot. Oh, of course, that's not right. Strenuous. Yeah. Strenuous. Extraneous. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> no love in here but we are talking about you know sugar, sugar we're handing daddies? out the love on uh isla cruces we don't want to overlook the rest of the crew some of those that we may not have actually mentioned yet on the show so i mean hadris had his spotlight in the last episode so i thought hey let's give a bit more sugar to some of the other fish dudes out there <laughs> so we have old hattie he's the first on my list sounds more like someone's a uh, grandpa than a dreaded supernatural pirate on the flying dutchman yeah knew i liked him though like hadris he's got some knuckle dusters as a weapon solid weapon of choice especially if you want to be lincoln's secret service as we talked about <laughs> old hadley old hadley <laughs> i'm already changing his name he uh, commonly wore a stocking cap and a green sleeveless shirt he was covered in muscles and may have only one eye that's the, the official description what do you what do you look like Said he uh, he commonly wore, but not always, a stocking cap and a green sleeveless shirt, and oh. he was covered in muscles and may have only one eye. Okay. He was based on a concept art for the crewman who eventually became Hadris. That's why I think oh, he really? still had the brass knuckle thing going on. Huh. And I couldn't find the actor who played old Hattie. And there's a lot of the, the Flying Dutchman crew are uncredited, but sometimes we can round them up. I couldn't on this guy, so I don't know... What's going on? I don't know why he's ashamed to identify himself as playing somebody in Pirates <laughs> of the Caribbean Dead Man's Chest. How dare you, sir? I just don't think that it's bad to have that on your resume, no. that you were on a big budget film for an actor. Maybe he does, and it's just not he's just not on IMDb to rec- you know, like identify himself or link it up. I don't know. But he's not there. Seems like bad juju. Just identify yourself. Next up is Wheelback. As his name implied, Wheelback had a ship's wheel embedded in his back. We talked just briefly mentioned yeah. him before. But his left hand was fused with a club, which he used in battle along with a hook melee weapon. He had a compass in place of his left eye, and besides the ship's wheel, Wheelback also had a number of rusty chains and other numerous pieces of metal that had, like, melded to his body, giving the appearance of some armor. Hmm. Like old Hattie, 
The actor who played him was embarrassed and obviously didn't want to be identified. <laughs> so he's unknown, uncredited. Then we have Finnegan. I think that's oh, him Finnegan. on the beach. Finnegan. I think it's him on the beach. I was having trouble identifying, so I was just going to roll with it. He kind of has a fin that pops up. Okay. That was kind of my giveaway. <laughs> but his uh, characteristic is various sea creatures over time have altered his skin to the coloring of a rockfish. Sharp, serrated fins protrude from his body and his cleft lip twisted Finnegan's mouth into a permanent snarl. It irritates me to say this, but yeah, uncredited. Nobody wants really? to be a damn creature identified in Pirates of the Caribbean, but somebody's a creature in Star Wars. I mean, my God, they're all over the place. They're doing the conferences and the celebrations. They're all everywhere. Pirates of the Caribbean, not so much. Not sure what's wrong with those people. I was really looking for some juicy tidbits of what these other people have been doing, but no. And then uh, lastly, I wanted to revisit Polifico. Just briefly, because we highlighted him way back when covering minutes in the 70s or something like that. Yeah. But I did want to say that his fire coral hair is outstanding in the light. Yeah, it is. It's really cool looking, actually. And that's what you brought up in the beginning, because the red light pops and it really does look spectacular there. And you couldn't tell on the ship during the dark that his hair was this color. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. When, you know, in the light, you see so much more of these guys. Yeah, it makes an incredible difference from the muted colors at night on the Dutchman. And I really love it. And so the other thing that I really love about it allows me to talk about Fire Coral. <laughs> Just like that's the door that opened Pandora's box. And I was really excited about it. And I'll tell you why I'm really excited about it. Why? Not only because the name kind of coral is somewhat misleading. Fire corals really aren't true corals. But instead more closely related to hydra, hydrozones, that kind of stuff. But divers often mistake Fire Coral for seaweed. And then they accidentally touch it or come in contact with it. And then they get intense pain. And it can last from one or from a couple of days to two weeks, actually. I like it. They have these small nematocysts on fire corals that contain these tentacles that protrude from numerous surface pores. It's like a, a jellyfish sting. Okay. They're like, imagine tiny harpoons in these cells that burst out with these hooks and stuff. That's what actually makes the sting. That's why I like it. And I'm always up for including nematocysts in the show when I have a chance. And I'll see if I can work it into each of the upcoming seasons. And so far, I'm batting two for two, because we did talk about nematocysts in season one. Yes, we did. Ah, I'm so glad I could bring that up again. <laughs> but they are. It's like the an actual living cell's own little harpoon that burst out with a little kind of coil rope. It is sweet stuff. That's pretty. Yeah, it is sweet. You should look at it. I should find a nematocyst microscope posting or picture and post it to our group. Maybe I'll do that. They really are cool. In addition, though, uh, fire corals have a sharp, calcified external skeleton that can scrape the skin. And fire corals are listed on the Convention of International Trade in Endangered Species, CITES, which I had talked about recently for sharks. Yeah. So that's what I wanted to bring up. That's what I wanted to mention. So who doesn't want to end the show on miniature harpoons <laughs> that come bursting out of shells and give you pain for a couple of weeks? 
Doesn't sound like fun. Sounds perfect to me. That's almost got to be a trope of some kind. <laughs> I don't know what it is. The nematocyst trope. So I don't know. Did you have anything else? Anything you wanted to highlight? Oh, uh, no, I don't think so. You're good? I'm good. I guess that means... Except I... Norrington got over his dizzy spell quicker than Yeah, some people do that. If, I've noticed that some people are more prone to dizziness than others. Oh. I am one that can be dizzy. Others, it's amazing. <laughs> You're always dizzy. How dare you? <laughs> That's the rum talking. <laughs> or the rum effects. So thanks for listening, Scallywags. If you like the show, give us a review on iTunes. It helps us grow, and we greatly appreciate it. Have a question or comment, give us a call at 8637-PIRATE. We just might play your voicemail on the show. You can also give us a shout at podcast at blackpearlshow.com. And don't forget to join the post-episode brawls on Facebook, our Facebook listeners group, and on Twitter. All the links are at theblackpearlshow.com. It is that easy. We'll be back with an all-new episode next week. And of course, delivering Pirates of the Caribbean info to the masses as the dirty, filthy bilge rats we are. Analyzing, scrutinizing, and plundering. So until then, Scallywags, let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum hopefully yeah what do i care as long as it doesn't involve me horn swoggle away Listening to the Black Pearl Show, and we appreciate it, Scallywags. Pirates don't need no stinking disclaimers, but just for fun, I think all you dirty, filthy bilge rats know that Disney and Bruckheimer Films have no affiliation with us at all, and we have none with those blooming cockroaches. We talk about Pirates of the Caribbean, which is their property, and all that other fun stuff. But I think it's obvious what's ours and what's theirs. There's no need to blur the lines or stir up a bloody rum-filled sweat. As for the music, that's with permission or licensed under Creative Commons. So let's give a shout out to Ross Bugden, Six Nail Coffin, and Tommy Wynn. The rest? Well, that's just me. Oh, maybe Heather. This is a Shout Reach Media Production.